Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome, everyone. Looking at the insights of Vilna Gaon on Sefer Megillus Rus is one of the most inspiring and beautiful preparations, I think, that we can have for Shavuos. Just listen to some of these ideas and how they inspire us and teach us how to be better people. The Gros starts off with looking at the first Pasuk, Rus begins by telling us that the, it was a time of the Shoftim, and there was a famine in the, in the land. And the Medrash, which gives a Psicha, an introduction to Rus Rabbah, Perak Aleph, uh, Parsha Gimel, it says that uh, my children are hafach v'chin hema. They, are, they can't make up their mind. They're indecisive. What could I do? And the Grah explains, what is this um, indecisiveness that the Jews have? And he says that it's the battle between the body and the soul. Our body wants to conquer the world and fill itself up with all the pleasures that it could grab. And our neshama wants to conquer the spiritual realm. But like the Rambam says, many places, that binyan haguf he stiras haseichel. And when a person builds his body, he's really destroying his intellect. Look at bodybuilders. Where's the intellect there? And when a person builds his soul, so it's at the expense of his body, not necessarily his health per se, but it means that he's not pursuing his desires, trying to get them fulfilled. And he says that just like the Rebbe Shalom created the world with midas ha-chesed, kindness, generosity, and also midas ha-din, strictness, so too, we have to exercise that in life. We need to learn how to nurture our spiritual side, our side that wants to strive for greatness and connection to Hashem, while keeping in check our physical side that wants to conquer the world and eat and take all the pleasures and thinks that it's going to live forever and that physical ephemeral pleasure is all that's worthwhile. And says the Vilna Gon, our job is to exercise chesed, the kindness, with our spiritual growth and din, exactness, and being strict when it comes to our physical desires. And not the opposite, God forbid, that some people exercise kindness and generosity when it comes to their physical pursuits. And they make that the main focus of their life. And they exercise restraint and self-control and limitations when it comes to their spiritual growth, God forbid. And says the Vilna Gon, these are the names of Hashem. When it says that Hashem created the world, Shakai. It says Hashem created the world, Sha'amar Lalomu Dai. I said to my world, enough. Versus Havaya, Yudke Bavke. What does that mean? The Gemara in Chagiga says that Hashem created the world and he said, he's called Shakai, Sha'amar Lalomu Dai. Now I'm going to spice it up a little bit with Ramchal. Because the Grah doesn't explain this, but the Ramchal explains this. And the Grah said that there are only three people that understood the Kisvah Rizal properly. And he writes that it's Rechaim Vital himself and the Ramchal, Ramosha Chaim Lozado, who died uh, before the Grah had a chance to meet him. Even the Grah said that he would have walked barefoot to Italy to meet Ramosha Chaim Lozado, who died in, I believe, 1749 or so. The Grah outlived him by a couple of uh, by many years, but had a lot of respect for his form. So Ramosh Chaim Lozado explains that really, the Rebbe Shalom was perfect. 
And therefore, everything the Rebbeinu Shalom created should have been perfect. So when he created the world, the world should have been perfect. But Hashem withheld and limited himself, Kaviyachal, whatever this means. And he allowed an imperfect world where the Yitzhahara is there. An imperfect world that man has to come in and perfect. And that's Shemar Lama died. Hashem said, enough, don't become perfect. Give man an opportunity to control himself. And that's the same die that the Rebbeinu Shalom created that makes the world imperfect, so to speak, and makes it that we need to perfect it and create ourselves and our nitzchias. So too, we need to exercise shakai. We need to exercise that we say die to our olam haza, to our pleasures, and learn what's really important in life. But there's also havaya. And Hashem's name havaya is the exact opposite. And it's not a contradiction. Hashem's name havaya means eternally expansive. Haya hovev Hashem always was, always will be, and is in the present. And so it's fully expansive. And says the Grat, we need to learn from Hashem that when it comes to the Olam Haza, we have to say Shakai, enough. We have to say enough to our desires. And when it comes to our spiritual growth, our inside, our greatness, that we have to say Havaya, Hayahoviya, we need to expand in all directions. And says the Grat, that's a shot in the Zohar that says that the mezuzah has Shakai on the outside and Havaya on the inside. The simple understanding we know is that every mezuzah says Shindal Yud on it, which Many people say that it stands for Shomer Dalsos Yisrael. Hashem is the watchman. He t- watches over the doors of Israel, protects us. And on the inside, there's Havaya. There's Hashem's name throughout Shema. It says the girl, that's what it's saying. That whenever you see a mezuzah, you need to remind yourself that you have to be that mezuzah. That on the outside, on your body, you have to have Shakai. Enough. Limit yourself from being a Baltaiva and from being a Manuva Bershus Torah. And on the inside, Havaya fully expansive, always growing, and becoming the best person you could be in a spiritual way, and expanding, expanding past your horizons. And that's the pshat, says the Grah, that the time of the Jewish people, they couldn't make up their mind. Were they physical? Were they spiritual? And they were just confused. And so Hashem tried to wake them up by sending a famine. And Hashem said, I'll send you a famine, and I'm going to teach you how to say die. I'm going to teach you how to say die to your physical needs. And the Jews never repented, and they didn't do tshuva. And Elimelech, he didn't either do tshuva. He just ran away and said, there's no lesson here. I don't need to be more generous. I don't have to be a better person. I'm just going to starve everybody. I don't want to have to say, spend my money and share my food with them. And says the Grah, that's why Hashem sent a famine to them. Because the main chesed that we see from Hashem is in the area of how, how he gives us parnasa, how he takes care of us. And so when he pulls back that parnasa, that food, that's to wake us up. But since the Jews were not acting appropriately, like the Gemara Darshans, that it was Shvot HaShoftim, the judges were being judged, and for good reason, the people weren't listening to them, and they were hypocrites, so it showed the representation of that generation. By Hirav Bar, so a male, there was a famine. Okay, second point. So this man goes from Beis Lechem Yehuda, and he goes to stay Moab. So why did he go to Moab? So the Gra quotes the Medrash. But it's a phenomenal medrash. Now, why did he go to Moab? What's the reason that Moab is not allowed to join into the Jewish nation? Because they were cheap. People say that Jews are cheap. <laughs> Jews are careful with their money, like we learned from Yaakov. Jews are not cheap. Look, you can always find people that are cheap. It has nothing to do with Jewish traits. They are gomle chasadim. They are kind. The trait of Yaakov is that he's careful with his money because he sees his money as a way to serve Hashem, and therefore 
he is entrusted with it by Hashem, and he needs to be careful with what he does with it, and he goes back for Pachat Gitana. But Moab was a cheap nation. They didn't give you bread. They didn't come out to greet you. And therefore, that's why they were Tsari Ayin. They were cheap people. And so Elimelech liked their mentality, and so he went there. And in that cheapness, he almost destroyed his entire family. Because in trying to copy their bad mitos, he ended up dying, and his children as well. So that's why he went to Moab. It's a medrash, Yalkut he brings it down as well. There's a medrash that says, Vatishar hi Next idea. So Elimelech dies. Doesn't get the hint. First his animals die, so he lost all of his money. Go back, do tshuva, nothing. Then he dies. Go back, do tshuva. And his children die. His two sons. So, but before that happens, it says, Vatishar hi So uh, Naomi and her two sons are left. So the, the Medrash in Rus Rabbah says that they became like Shiari Munachos. They became like the leftovers of the Mincha flower offerings. So the girl says, well, what in the world? <laughs> what does this mean? So he says, if you think about it, the word Shirayim, so usually a remnant means that, you know, you lost 90% of everything and you have this 5, 10% that's left. Here, mathematically, it's not true because you have... Um, Naomi and her two sons, and they lost one person, a significant person, but they lost one person. So how could you call them Shirayim? So the Gra says that's what the Medrash is telling us, that the Munachos, when you, when you, when the Kohen takes out the Kamitsa, he takes out a little tiny pinch, the rest is called the Shirayim. If you're Hasidish, this is no Chiddush to you, because this is how Shirayim work. The Rabbi takes a little pinch, eats a drop, and the rest is called Shirayim. But for non-Hasidim, you need this Medrash to explain. So what's a shot? What does this mean? So I think that it's saying something very deep. That the Shirayim, what does that mean? It means that the Elimelech was the leader, and so the Kamitsa that he took, that Kamats means cheapness. That cheapness was, instead of it being the thing that's Miskadish, the entire family, and uplifting them, it became something that tried to inspire the family to cheapness. And you see that the entire Mida of the girl who survived, and who really carried on Naomi's family, so to speak, and brought the dynasty of David and Mashiach came from Rus, who was the most generous person. And this is a safer of kindness. And so that that kamtsanis, that cheapness, is what destroyed them. And you find the same thing by the, the uh, Purim story, that Moshe was teaching the... Um, sorry, not Moshe. Mordechai was teaching the children how to do a kamitza. And Haman said, you, you, you beat me out. You beat all my shkalim. What does that mean? The pshat is that he was teaching them how to be cheap when it comes to your body and be Scottish, that, that piece gets burnt and it brings holiness to the entire rest of the mincha. And so that's the job of the husband, the father, and the parents to inspire the family to be role models in, in, in controlling themselves because that's Torah's nickname to be Asurin. You know what the Asurin is? The Asurin is the torturing yourself to do what's right. doesn't mean, God forbid, hurting yourself, it means that when you see something that you want to eat and it's not kosher and you control yourself, you're acquiring Torah. It means that when someone insults you and you want to insult them back and you and you pain yourself, you're acquiring Torah. It means when you do something hard, like convert at age 40 years old and give up being a princess, a Moabite princess, and having a good life, and you show that kamsas when it comes to your own body, and you're niskadish, the entire mincha, and you bring holiness to the entire Jewish nation like Rus did, and you become the 
the mother of royalty and Mashiach, that's where it comes from. Mesiris Nefesh, that what Rus did, is phenomenal. And that's what's going on here. There's another interesting gra, which is very famous, which is about Rus's name. So the Gemara Darshans, the Gemara in Bracha says, why was she called Rus? Rabbi Yochanan says, because David came from her, she ruah, he saturated God with songs and praise. It's Gemara Bracha, stop Vavon base. So, where's the name Rus? <laughs> she should have been called Shira, or Shira should have been her name. What's Rus? So it says the Grah. Before she was Nisgayer, she had seven Mrs. Benoach, because every guy has that. But when she converted, so she had an additional uh, 606 plus those seven. So, therefore, she was called Tor. Tor is the name of a bird. Um... And so she was given the name Tor, which is a bird. She was pure. And that's the gematria of 606, which are the extra mitzvahs that she got. And so then the Gemara says, then why is she called Rus instead of Tor? Well, the answer is because she ruled it also hinted to David Amalek. But the icker thing is the extra mitzvah she accepted. If you look in the Ma'am, so, so the question is, what was her name originally? So if you look in the Ma'am Lois, so it says her name was not Rus. That before she was Nagar, her name was one of two things. It was either Gilis, Gilis, Gimel Yud, Lama Yud Tuff, that was her original name, Gilis. I don't know, I guess that was a Moabite princess name back then. Or it was Palnisa. Now, Palnisa is very interesting because it might just be Plony and Palnisa, like, like Jane Doe. So it might actually just be saying that she had another name. But Gilis was her name. And, um, and, and so when she converted... She had the extra tour that was added to her name, which shows her her addition. And we find by Yisro, but Yeser, he also had a name that represented the extra that was added to him. But not necessarily the Gematria part. Okay, so you have Machlon and Kilion. Machlon, which I always remember, his name is Mechila. He had prodigy from him. So it came from him. That was uh, Rus's wife. And Kilion, the destroyed one, he, had, he was married to Arpa. She was, she was bad news. Okay, so Hashem takes them to, and finally, Naomi wants to go back and tells her daughter-in-law, just go back home, you're both princesses, start your life again, forget about us. And the Pasuk says, Kishama b'stei mo'av, and Pasuk vav, Kishama b'stei mo'av, kipaka Hashem v'sam islam lechem. So the Gros says, how did they find out that Hashem gave them bread? So he says that, er, that, that the Jewish people, their actions affect the entire world. This is another episode for Kabbalah Satorah. That's why I said that the entire Grah here just teaches us so many things about being a Kabbalah Torah. So the, the, the Jews impact the world. And like the Drush Saran, the famous Ron says that when something bad, God forbid, happens in the world, it is a Jew's fault. You know how people like to blame us? It is a Jew's fault. If you keep the Torah, Hashem will protect you. There's an element that it's true. That it is a Jew's fault. Yes, it's true that that each land has its sasa, its own avarice that destroy it as well. But we are responsible to be a light to the nations and to be the best people we could be. And so, says the Grah, there was more bread coming to Moab. And that meant that the Ashba of the Jews was impacting, their tshuva was impacting, even in Moab there was more food as well. And that's the shot over here as well, that Torah impacts the world. Everybody eats because of Hanina who learns Torah. And not only that, but Hanina, my son, he eats a drop of carob. Because of his stop his because of his satisfaction with just a little, 
because he doesn't build his guf, therefore he has the greatest spiritual strengths in the world. That's the power of Torah. Okay, so they go back and says the Gra, such a beautiful, beautiful shot. So Naomi is trying to send them back, and finally she realizes that Rus is not budging. Rus is not budging. So says the girl, how did she know that Rus was, was serious? How did she know? I mean, the Gemara in Yavamas learns out the halachas of Geras, that you're supposed to push her away, push people away, and we don't just take people, we want to make sure they're sincere. So how did she know that, that Rus was really sincere? So says the Vilnagon, that Apidarach Teva, when you get up and you want to do a mitzvah, the Yetzirah stops you, and he makes your body heavy, and he makes your body so heavy that you can't do a mitzvah. And in fact, the only time he helps you move and that your laziness is away is when you're doing an aver. You're doing an aver. You have all the excitement in the world and all the power. And he says, like, for example, look at Rish Lakish. He was a chote and a sinner, and he used to rob people. He was a Jewish Robin Hood, the Gemara Bab and he would jump over a mountain and escape everyone. But he met Rabbi Yochanan one day, and Rabbi Yochanan was a car of him. Whole discussion in itself. And as soon as he was macabre, wants to learn Torah, Tasha's koho. He loses all of his strength and he can't jump. Why? Because the second you decide you want to do something right, the Yitzhar gets in the way, and you're weighed down. I'll tell you a story before I explain how the Gra explains his Pusik. Rechaim Velazhin, the great Rechaim Velazhin, his Talmidim were always cheppering him that he had Ruach HaKodesh. And because they were always comparing him to the Hasidish Rebbe's who were taking over at the time, who had Ruach HaKodesh in their minds. And so they were always looking for ways that to see that the Rebbe had Ruach HaKodesh. And so one time, uh, a poor, tattered man came into the base mandrash, and he was interrupting learning. And Velazhin Yeshiva, you weren't allowed to interrupt learning, even if you were collecting staka, you had to wait for the Seder to be over. This man came in, and people saw him. He was tattered. He was broken. He looked like a real nebuch. And people started trying to give him money. And people were interrupting Seder and interrupting. And people gave him tons of money. And Rechaim Velazhin himself felt a little urge to give him money. But he stopped, and he stopped himself and his chavrusa, and they kept learning. And at the end, he went to look for him, and the man was gone. And he didn't end up giving him tzedakah. So a lot of people had interrupted and given him. Rechaim Velazhin had not. And it ended up that a rumor went around that this man was really a thief and a faker. And the city looked into it, and they uncovered that he was, in fact, a thief. And he was a liar, and he wasn't really poor, and he had no right collecting the money. And he was a thief. And so they said to Rechaim Velazhin, they said, See, Rabbi, you have Ruach HaKodesh. You knew not to give him. We saw that everyone was running to give him, and it was a big mitzvah, and you didn't. So he said, I don't have any Ruach HaKodesh, because that was always his response. He said, he said, at first I felt this big urge to give, just like everyone else did. And then I caught myself, and I said, I have an urge to do a mitzvah? What's wrong with me? Normally, if something's a mitzvah, the Yitzhahara gets in the way and tries to stop you. It must be, this is an Avera. It's Bithel Torah, and this is not a true Ani. And he said, because I felt my body was pushing me to do it, I knew something was wrong. That's Rechaim Velazhin's sensitivity. Now, of course, don't walk away and think that we're not excited to do mitzvahs. There is an element of being excited for mitzvahs. And the Grah himself says, and Rechaim Velazhin writes about this in Real Chaim too, that when a person pushes himself, and is ready to do the mitzvah, then he gets the siyata d'shmai from Hashem to do the mitzvah. But the default of the body, says the Grah, is that we are lethargic and falling asleep. We're falling asleep from doing mitzvahs and not motivated. And when we have that feeling, that means we're doing something right. And says the Grah, that's what Naomi saw in Rus. She saw that she was struggling to walk. It was hard for her to walk. At that moment, she stopped bothering her. Oh, now I see you're sincere. Now there's Yitzhahara that's stopping you. You know what was, what was going through Russ's mind? She was also worried about, I'm going to come here. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to marry anyone. I'm not going to have any children ever. I never had any children with, with 
Machlon. They're not going to accept me. I, I already know they might not even convert me. I can't even I can't even have a boyfriend. I can't do anything. I know there are laws. Not be told me I have to know Yichud. My goodness, I'm never going to. Yeah, believe it or not, of course that was on her mind, and she's going to live in poverty the rest of her life. And she was and she accepted to do that. But of course the body was pushing her back. But she knew that she was coming under Hashem's wings, and she would have siyata d'shmaya, and so she did it. But that's how Naomi said that I need to stop pushing her because her body is heavy and the laziness is kicking in. Ah, something must be right here. It's an amazing thing. So Naomi comes back home, and this Vilnagon is, is just so scary. It's, it's a mind-boggling Vilnagon that I shudder to repeat it, and I think about it every year on Rosh Hashanah, and I think about it often. Azos Naomi, they see her. And they say, is this Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Hashem Anabi. Hashem punished me. Says the girl, what's going on over here? Everyone knows that Elohim is Midas Hadin. And Hashem is Midas HaRachamim. So why are you saying the words Hashem Anabi? That Hashem Midas HaRachamim? Where's the Rachamim? What's going on over here? Says the Vilnagon. The most scary words, I believe. Says the Vilnagon. There was a king, and he had two sons who he loved very dearly. And his sons were always bickering and always fighting, and they treated each other very poorly. And one day, they got into a massive fight. And Reuven, one son, murdered Shimon, the other son. And they stood in front of the king to be judged. And Reuven knew he did something horrible. He murdered his brother. And he stood in front of the king, and he said, Father, I admit I murdered my brother, but please have mercy on me. And the king looked at him with disdain and said, You're trying to evoke my mercy. My mercy is looking at my son that you murdered. That's my mercy. My mercy and compassion is on that one that you hurt. And therefore, I'm going to punish you out of mercy and love for the son of mine that you hurt. Says the Vilna Gaon. We stand in front of the Rebona Shalom. And, the, and we say, Rebona Shalom, have mercy. And Hashem says, I am having mercy. I'm punishing you because I love the children, my children, and you're hurting them. Says the Vilna Gaon, when you hurt another Yid, and you ask Hashem for mercy, you're a hypocrite. Because that mercy you're asking for, that he share Rahmanas on you, he is having Rahmanas on his son. And that Rahmanas that he has warrants that Hashem will punish us. And says the Vilna Gaon, we have to be so careful. That's what Naomi was saying. He's saying, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means sweet. Naomi means, means naim. Everything was good in my life. It was. But now I'm Mara. I'm bitter and in pain. You know why? You know why? Because I forsook my nation. Because when my husband consulted with me, and I didn't influence him to go back. And when all of our cattle died, I didn't influence him to go back. And when all and my husband died, I didn't influence my children to go back. And you know what? I don't have the audacity to call Hashem and ask him for Rachaman because I'm a hypocrite. The whole reason I got punished is because of my lack of Anam Lachavero, how I mistreated other people. But Hashem Anabi, Midas HaRachamim is what punished me. These are the most scary words. And we see that the importance of coming to Kabbalah Satorah, when we could say to the Rebunashalam that we are Ishachad Levachad, and that we accept one another, and we treat Hashem's children with love and respect, then we have a right to ask for Rachman from Hashem, and then Hashem will grant it to us. 
but it is a pachad nora to think about the hurt and the pain that we cause other people and how we then call to Hashem for Rachamim and Hashem says, I am punishing you out of Rachamim. I am punishing you out of love, out of love for the people that you hurt. How careful we have to be when it comes to treating other people. And that's, says the Vilna Gon, the Pasuk in Tehillim, Chafhei says, Saros Levavi Harchivi. The pain of my heart was caused upon myself because I caused it. I hurt other people. The Gros says, very interesting shot. So Boaz comes out to the field and he sees that there's a woman there. And so says the Gros that Ayomer the Kotzerim, Pasuk says that Boaz says to the Kotzerim, Hashem Yimachim, God with, God with you. He was, he was checking in with them. He said, I see there's a woman here. Are you acting tahar? Are you acting pure? Is she acting tahar and pure? Because Rebona Shalom only comes down in a place of Kedusha and Tara. And that's what he was reminding them. And they said, yes, she's a very chashav woman and a very tznuah woman. In fact, they said, yes, it's a holy place. We're acting tznias. And not only that, says the Grah, they said that this woman is so kosher, she's roy for you. I remember Boaz's wife had just died and he had all of his children he had married off. And Boaz was about 80 or so, according to the Medrash. And he was destined to marry Rus. And so they said, this is the woman for you. So what's the first question he asked? It's a very interesting lesson in Shaduchim. He didn't ask, what does she look like? He didn't ask, how much money does she have? He asked, says the girl, oh, you think that she's fit for me? So what's her family background? Where should, tell me about her. I want, to, I want to get some information. So then they said back, So yeah, there's, there's a, they, they told him the background. But it was a compliment because she converted. And you see that she's totally sincere because she was a princess from Moab and did not have to come back. But she's with Naomi and she's a good person. Okay, so he checks her out, gets to know her, realizes that she's actually family and there's a sort of its own form of yibum that's applicable here. And the girl has many, many interesting pshatim over here. She asks him, why do I find favor in your eyes? So... He said, she was saying that I'm a little confused because on the one hand, you're telling me to sit here because you want to get to know me, um, which I never, I didn't earn that. I'm a nachria. I'm, I'm a foreign person. But on the other hand, um, you're telling me that, um, that I find favor in your eyes. So, and you're giving me permission to stay here and giving me, and giving me more extra things. Says the girl, one of the compliments they gave her was um, that the first thing she did when she got here was Vatomer Elakta. The first thing I'm going to do is collect food and feed my mother-in-law, which shows her kindness. She didn't just rest and say, oh, I'm tired, I traveled. I want to say one thing also, not from the girl, but just an interesting shot, that Boaz had two names. His name was Boaz and his name was Ivtsan. And when he was a judge, he was called Ivtsan throughout all those years. And so what it comes out that his name Boaz is only found in this safer. But in Shoftim, it talks about Ivtsan. So Ivtsan comes from the word Atsev, which means depression. His life was depressed. And that's because all of his children died. And he did not have any living descendants. And it was only literally the last day of his life where he married Rus. And the measure says he died the next morning. So he got married to her. And she was pregnant with... She was Ima Shalmachus, the mother of... of uh, literally, uh, the, the mother of royalty with Oved, 
who gave birth to Yishai, who gave birth to David, Melech HaMashiach, etc., all the way down to Melech HaMashiach. So it's a fascinating thing because his whole life was literally waiting for this moment. I believe the Medrash says he was 85. Yeah, mispronounced, I misquoted that before. He was 85 years old. And there's what to talk about that he died the next day. People used that against him and they said, see, he shouldn't have married this Moavia woman. And that's a whole interesting thing in itself, all the rejection that David Melech had, which made him into the great person. Aviva, the Imi Azavuni Bashemi Asfani, that his, his father and mother re- rejected him for many reasons. And the, the nation rejected him as well. But that's, we'll save that for a different time, maybe for Tehillim, David Melech, or maybe at the end we'll talk about it in a minute, about David Melech's rejection and Kabbalah Satora because of that. So it comes out that Ibtan, his entire life was a depression. Not necessarily that he was depressed, but it, it had sad trials and tribulations, but it created the greatest man of Boaz. In him was strength. That in him was this strength, this hidden strength, that he would be the father of Malchus with Rus, another woman whose entire life revolved around having obeyed. And as tragic as it was that literally she didn't have a husband the rest of her life, and she raised her son. And like the Medr says, people said that Naomi had a child, and her and Naomi raised this child, which is a fascinating concept in itself, the sweetness and the tenderness of what Oved had to learn about Avodah Hashem from two women as the nurturing force and the Avas Hashem that was instilled. Probably part of the Shishiru of the Kaddish Baruch of Shiraz Shabbat Imagine two Nashim Sidkaniyos that raised him. For whatever reason, that's what the Rebbe Shalom decided. But Boaz, that strength came out literally only at the end of his life, literally the last moments of his life. But that's what he became known as. He is the famous Boaz because of that moment that David Amalek comes from. Just powerful. Sometimes we don't know like it says by Esther, that um, maybe this is the moment, it's the, it's the moments of greatness in life, those sparks of greatness that the Rebbe Shalom sets us up for, and hopefully we've prepared our whole life being an Obed Hashem so we can do it and fulfill our mission. Okay, so Ro explains that it says, you should have a full payment. What does that mean? Why is Rus Zochet a full payment? So he says that most people, Hashem did so much kindness and chesed to us in our lives, so we owe it to him. But here, she's a she's a Gioris, and so she chose to come under Hashem's wings, and so therefore she has more Zechusim, and she doesn't eat up as much of her Zechusim. And the last thing to leave off with, which is a very powerful lesson in life as well, as well that um, when, um, when Rus describes Boaz, she says, the man that I, Asher Imo Hayom, the man that I did chesed with today is Boaz. And the, the, the Medrash here says that Asher Imo, more than a Baal bias does for the Ani, the Ani does for the Baal bias. What does that mean? So, Zuck there, the Gros says that when you give tzedakah, it's not equal. Because, let's say, he says, you have two people give a piece of bread to a poor person. And one of them, the man was literally on the thrones of death, was about to drop dead at hunger. And he ate your bread and, and you revived him, brought him back to life. And the other one was hungry. He hadn't eaten in a few hours, but he wasn't dying. So the Grah says you get more schar for the one that was dying. And so, so says the Grah, Rus was so destitute, she had no money whatsoever. The amount of chesed that she did was greater because she was so poor and destitute, and yet Boaz had the zechus of supporting her. And from that zechus of supporting, 
came a lot of great things. So the, we need a siyat to that the money we give should support Torah, should go towards people that really need it. And it's a zechus, because like the Gemara says, that if a person's not zocha, then Hashem will make it that anim tabli besa, that inappropriate poor people will collect his money and his tzedakah won't go to the right places. So we need a siyat to that our, that our um, tzedakah goes to the right places. So just to finish off, David Amalek came from this, these great people. What does that mean? So we know that David Amalek was rejected because even though the Bezdin of Shmuel had a Masora, which was Allah Moshe Sinai, which was um, Amoni Velo Moavis and Moavi Velo Moavis, that a male from Moab was prohibited from joining the Jewish nation, but a female was allowed. So therefore, um, people question this, and like we find by in Yigal Tov, this man named Tov, or his name was Poloni, he's anonymous, he's not mentioned, he was really a closer relative who could have married Rus, and maybe would have been the father of Malchus, but he wasn't Zoha for many reasons, but he said, Pen Ashkos is not Lassi, I accept that nowadays the Bezdin is posking like Boaz, that Moavis is allowed, but later on someone might question it, like we find that Shaul himself questioned it, and his generals questioned about David when David beat Goliath, and he said, who is this man? They said, oh, he's He's that guy from, from Yishai, the controversial family. And so um, there was a lot of question about what the future would bring. So two ideas on that that I'm going to conclude with. One of them is that, one of the pshatim is that the Gemara says, that the reason that the men are prohibited is because they didn't greet the Jewish people with, with bread and water. And the Gemara says that it's only the derech, it's only the way of men to bring out, but the women are not expected because it's not And we know that the Moavit, women that were not sneas actually made the Jews sin. They were very inappropriate. But the expectation of women is that they should be tsnua. So therefore, they're allowed in. But here's, here's the interesting thing. So when, when Rus was told by, by uh, Naomi to go sneak into the Goran, into the granary, and go make Boaz marry her, she said, no, I can't do it. It's not sneas. Why was she concerned? Because if you make me do something not sneas, so then that means that you're, that you're threatening my entire existence. Because my entire existence at Kalei Yisrael mean, is, is predicated on a woman being Tznua. Because she's not, she's Tznua, she's therefore she, she's, she's uh, modest, therefore she's not expected to bring bread to men. If you're making the Moabite women act not Tznius, then you're making it that I can't actually come into the Jewish nation. Now, it's a very interesting remez that I've seen some of Farshim say. But anyway, moving on to the most important part, out of this person comes David. David is rejected. He's rejected by Kla Yisrael. He's Evan Masu Abonim. He's a forsaken rock. And not only that, but Yishai separates from his wife. There's a contradiction in the Pesukim. One of them says that David was the seventh child of Yishai. The other one says he was the eighth. I'm not going to go into that right now, exactly what that means. Some people say that one of them died and he only had seven children. He married Bathsheba. The number seven is Malchus. And there's a lot of connection between David and seven. Suffice it to say, that this, he seems to have been the last child, and Yishai separated from his wife, but his wife knew that really she was allowed to, that, that, that really Yishai was allowed to procreate, even though he had come from Moavi descent, and therefore she snuck into her husband, dressed as a Pelegish, and got pregnant with David, and Muzar Yisri Le'achai, they called him a Mamzer when he was born, and it was only revealed later that he wasn't, not only was he not a Mamzer, it was Yishai's own wife, and she knew intuitively as a woman that this was allowed which is a whole discussion in itself, Zerubbabel, and all the things that happened with the propagation of 
be Malach HaMashiach, not for now. Tzadik has a whole shtickle on it, it's very fascinating, for a different time. So, David was, was, was a forsaken, Evan was about him, but Heisler Rosh Pina, he was the last one that, sh- that when Shaul came to anoint him, they said, yeah, there's one more son, but like, he's a momzer and he's forsaken, and then Shaul revealed, sorry, Shmuel revealed that no, this is the one who's chosen. And it wasn't despite this. It was specifically the, the assumed king was, his name was Aliyah, and everyone had assumed that he would be the king. But the, but the Gemara and the Medrash says, and really the Pesukim describe it actually in, in Shmuel Aleph, that he had a cost problem, he, he, and he was a Balgaiva. Now, that was on his level. He was a big tzaddik, but there was, a, there was expression of anger on his part. What does that mean? Just like Eli Melech, Eli Tavo Malchus, his name was, it's coming to me. Everyone knows I'm a great man, and I'm going to be the father of Malchus. But that ego is what specifically apostled him and pushed it away. Same thing with, with um, Eliav, Eliav. To me, I'm going to be the father, I'm going to be the leader. That pushed him away. It was only the brokenhearted, David, the forsaken one, who learned to connect to Hashem, and his feelings were more sincere. He became the, the, the father of Mashiach. Okay? And that's the lesson that we can learn, that Hashem is looking for a person who is brokenhearted, a person who turns to Hashem. That's where Kabbalah's Torah takes place. The greatest Anav, we call Adam, was Moshe, and he was the greatest Torah scholar in the entire world. The Torah is nicknamed with 48 Kinyanim. Anava is one of them. The more modest a person is, the more he can be receptacle for Torah. Like Ramosha Feinstein says, that when the, the Aaron is nosius nosa, the Torah carries you, but the Aaron is inam and aminyan, the Gemara and Bobansiyah, Tzadi Zion or so, says that the Aron has no weight. It's weightless. It takes up no space. It's spaceless. That's how, you're acquire, that's how you hold Torah. That's what's inside it, luchos, and the Sefer Torah. That's how you acquire Torah. The more space you take up, the more you practice the Shakai part, and you limit yourself and your physical desires, the more your Havaya, your spiritual part, expands. We should be zochet to take all the lessons of the Vilna Gona, Rus. It's a beautiful thing if you're interested in learning it over Shulis, I highly recommend beautiful, beautiful words and so much more that I just didn't do justice to. And we should be zochet to learn all those words and to have our Kabbalah Satorah. This is the entire bizarre Rosh Hashanah for our Ruchnius being decided. We show Hashem, I want it all. And I, like a kid in a candy store, that's what the Tikkun is, where we grab everything we could get. And not only the Tikkun, any learning you do, you grab whatever you could get, whatever opportunity you can on Shulis and you daven to Hashem that your life should be filled with Shakai putting a limitation on the physical things that are ephemeral and passing, and putting a Havaya, the unlimited part, on the spiritual growth and wealth that, we're, that we are, have this opportunity, and to learn from the lessons of Rus and David and the humility and greatness that is available for anyone that wants to Kesar Torah. We should all be Zohar. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content, and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.